Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Ali Scotton is a guest that was with us in October. He did a great job, and uh, I'd love to have him back more frequently. Andrew, we should have him on uh, again. Uh, and we are having him on today. He is the founder of Scotton Consulting. They specialize in socio-cultural and geopolitical analysis of the Middle East. And while an associate at the consulting firm Booz Allen Hamilton, he served as a senior Middle East analyst and Persian language interpreter. Persian language is Farsi, managing projects for a variety of government and commercial clients. He is a Truman Security Fellow, and his commentary on the Middle East has been featured in numerous outlets, including the Washington Post, Christian Science Monitor, National Interest, and Al Monitor. Um, we are going to be talking, like I said, uh, about Israel, and it's uh, uh, good to have him back on the show. He's not with us yet, guys, right? We, we're almost there. Um, Israel is clearly unsatisfied we had this deal. And clearly unsatisfied that with assurances from Washington, uh, but today that Israel has listed specific requirements that it said it wanted in any final deal with Iran over that country's nuclear program. Whereas Israel's public diplomacy is so far focused on what many have said was an unrealistic demand for the complete dismantlement of Iran's potentially military nuclear infrastructure, now the Israeli Minister of Intelligence and Strategic Affairs has presented a list of desired modifications for the final agreement, and that's due to be concluded by June 30th. And what do they say? It would make it, quote, more reasonable. More than the pleasure to have founder of Scott & Consulting, Ali Scott & Joins Us. Ali, how you doing? Good uh, to have you back with us, and good afternoon. Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being back. Uh, we were very pleased last time. Sorry you haven't been on since October. I, I, you know, when we say we're having you back, I don't mean to have that much of a time in between the first and second date. Uh, but uh, <laughs> good to have you with us. Uh, help me with this. This is okay. Israel at first says we don't like this deal. Netanyahu, invited by <clears throat> Speaker, comes to the United States, speaks before Congress. You know, speaks out against the Obama administration, this deal repeatedly, the United States even alludes to launching, you know, missiles of which they have over 100 nuclear missiles in Israel, uh, you know, toward Iran. Now they wake up and, you know, then they say, you know, we don't want this deal. Then the deal is reached and now they they are demanding certain assurances and now they're tempering that with, you know, even more so saying they want to make this deal more reasonable. First and foremost... Even though Israel may be unsatisfied with this deal, despite the assurances from Washington, and even though they have listed specific requirements they said they wanted in any final deal, help people understand, Ali, does Israel have any right internationally to state what they want when they weren't at the the table and part of the negotiation of this deal? Sure. I mean, they have, you know, Israel has every prerogative to make statements, um, 
and you know being uh, concerned about their own national security. But, but I'm saying, can, can they make these demands? In other words, can the deal go through without their listed specific requirements? Or, I mean, does Israel have some trump card that the rest of the international community is not aware of? No, I mean, they weren't party of these talks, and so um, they... <laughs> They're, they don't have any say um, officially on this. You know, what, what their main way of trying to uh, influence the Obama administration is what you alluded to is through Congress and their allies on the Hill, specifically uh, the Republican. Um, Netanyahu himself, though, I mean, he really lacks credibility on this issue. He's been for over a decade or so been saying that Iran is a year away from a nuclear weapon. And then the stunt that he pulled in uh, on the Hill, I think most Americans and people around the world are really starting to, to see through his... Um, his actions is, and understand that he's not really, what he's not really, he's not really interested in making the deal stronger for the Obama administration. He's really interested in killing a deal. Yeah, you know, quite frankly, we know that. But but now, the, you know, does is it because he sees that his hands are tied? Because countries that are much more powerful than his, let's be quite honest, the United States, China, Russia, uh, the UK, to name four. Uh, Germany, if you will, to start, if you want to name five, um, have decided, you know, we have a preliminary deal here. We're working toward a final agreement that would be concluded by June 30th. And now they go from complete dismantlement of uh, the uh, military nuclear structure, complete dismantlement of this deal, to, okay, we have suggestions for your deal, even though nobody asked. Right. And, you know, it just shows the, the desperation on his part. Um, you know, any time that we get closer to a deal or we, you know, we come up with uh, the, the Obama administration and Iran and the P5 plus one come out with a very detailed framework, then he kind of moves the goalpost, uh, uh, steps back a little bit on, on his, um, you know, more hard line position, but also trying to put forth some uh, conditions that would not be useful. Okay, we're going to talk more um, about some of those conditions. We'll talk about the uh, White House, if any's response, or the international community, and what this does for Netanyahu and Israel in the future. Ali Scotten is our guest founder of Scotten Consulting. Check out the website, Scotten, S-C-O-T-T-E-N, consulting.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ali, A-L-I, Scotten, S-C-O-T-T-E-N. We're back with Ali Scotten, founder of Scotten Consulting. They specialize in socio-cultural and geopolitical analysis of the Middle East. Ali, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I apologize. I'm, uh, I have that lovely sinus thing going on. <laughs> That's why I sound so nasal and don't sound like the normal me. Uh, we're talking about Israel's suggestions uh, to make this Iran nuclear deal, quote, uh, more reasonable. Uh, can we talk about some of those uh, suggestions, Ali? What, um, are the, what are some of these on the list that Israel has? What are some of those include? Well, one of the suggestions that uh, Israel has is something that they have been pushing for uh, the entire time is complete dismantlement of um, Iran's uranium enrichment facilities. And as we have seen uh, through the past 10 years of trying to negotiate a deal with Iran, this is a complete non-starter. The European Union, when they were uh, negotiating with Iran back in 2005, were getting close to some type of deal, and then the Bush administration came to them and said, we can't allow any type of uranium enrichment on Iranian soil. And so as a result, the talks broke down. And the only time that talks began to uh, progress, which is back in 2013, was when it became clear that the, the Obama administration specifically uh, had agreed to allow some type of uranium enrichment in Iran, which is essential for uh, the Iranians to be able to sell a deal to their own, pub- to their own public. And so um, just that one... Um, suggestion that Israel is making is a complete non-starter. 
And that's now, not – yeah, and exactly. That's not a suggestion because one of the things – I've said it before and I'll say it again. The best negotiations, no side gets – either neither side gets 100% of what they want. That's and exactly the, right. The fact that we got 98% in a sense of what we wanted, right? Um, you know, we got – we. I know there are people on the right that disagree, but we got the better end, you know, of the deal, clearly. Um, you know, we're, we're – you know, we're – we're holding, I think, you know, all the cards in this situation. You know, Iran either complies or, you know, gets the sanctions slapped back on. Uh, we're in a much, I think, more advantageous position in this deal. And, and a huge uh, proportion of the nonproliferation community and analysts agree with your assessment that this, uh, you know, no other alternative, um, no other feasible alternative would be able to get us to this point where, um, Iran is about a year away from a bomb if they wanted to, to rush towards a bomb, and they'd be under an extensive um, inspection regime that would uh, let the world know that they were doing that. Without a deal, we wouldn't even know what was going on inside of Iran. Uh, very true. Ali, why is Israel pretending, if you will, and are they pretending, uh, to be so fearful of Iran and a potential bomb? A, there is no bomb. B, we know that we knew before this, and even know more so as a result of this, that there is no bomb because they they didn't have they were you know they weren't close or anywhere near as close as we thought. Um, they they weren't testing any, and quite frankly, Israel has more than a hundred. So for if Iran were to strike, if in fact they did have a bomb and were to strike were to strike Israel. Israel, in response, could wipe out the entire nation of Iran, probably in an afternoon. Uh, do They have the ability to do more damage than we did in World War II with the two bombs that we dropped. So Israel knows that, you know, the cards they're holding. Do, do you think they're just using this, as conservatives do so well, using fear to keep uh, the polarization, uh, you know, from their people and the rest of the Arab world? I mean, why, you know, why are they doing this? The reality is... Iran's never going to strike Israel unless it had anywhere near uh, the nuclear capability, and that, that's a joke at this point. Um, and, and Israel has Israel probably has more nuclear bombs than we do. Well, this is an excellent point that you bring up, Leslie, and I think that uh, a large portion of the Israeli intelligence community, if they were being honest and forthright, they would agree that they have the same assessment as you. Now, from Netanyahu's standpoint, this is very much a political um, this is political rhetoric that he's putting forth. He wants to um, increase fear against Iran within Israel to basically distract the Israeli population from other problems that they're having. You know, the majority of Israelis, actually, if you were to poll them, they would probably say that economic issues, just like here, uh, would be one of their major concerns. You know, the rising inflation and uh, how, how expensive it is to live in places like Tel Aviv. And one of the the true existential threat to Israel uh, is, is the continuation of the uh, Palestinian-Israeli conflict and um, lack of movement forward. And so this is great for Netanyahu to, com to continue to, to harp on the Iran threat in order to distract his populace um, from the threat. Now, uh, as you said, um, Iran, the uh, national intelligence estimate in the United States has said that Iran uh, gave up a nuclear weapons program or trying to pursue nuclear weapons in 2003. And so the Israelis know this. Um, so they don't they don't really feel an existential threat from it at this point. It's mostly political rhetoric. Uh, let's also talk about some of the other demands. One was uh, closing the underground Fordo facility as an enrichment site, even if enrichment activities are suspended there. So 
I mean, some of the – they're only going to enrich it at one facility. And, I mean, you know, help me with this, Ali. Don't most industrialized nations enrich uranium, you know, for the, the use of energy or, you know, medicine, technology, uh, you know, purposes? Or is Iran the only nation doing this? Because that's what it makes it sound like when you hear about the rest of the world's fears. Well, Iran, uh, not all nations uh, enrich for themselves. They're, they're, uh, many of them buy it from a, a, an international uh, market. Now, for Iran, it's become the enrichment on its soil has become a nationalistic thing. The Iranian leaders have sold it to their uh, populace as a sense of pride, and um, and so if they were to give it up, it would show that they were you know buckling in front of the international pressure, which would weaken them. So, again, like I said before, no successful deal would um, would, would would end with Iran giving up its uh, enrichment capability. Now. With the Fordow facility, the reason that the Israelis are concerned about that is because it's so deep underground that neither they nor the U.S. would be successful in, in bombing it if they needed to. Um, however, the fact that they're giving up completely, uh, completely giving up enriching uranium in Fordow for 10 to 15 years is a very good deal. Oh, yeah, no question at all. What, what, what about ending all research and development activities on advanced centrifuges in, in, in Iran. I mean, a lot of the demands are suggestions, because they do seem like demands. Israel's in no position to demand, or to suggest, technically. Uh, but a lot of their, it, it, again, this just is based on an empty or a baseless fear, right? Um, a non, you know, uh, you know a, 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 a fear that is not justified, you know, based on what we talked about before, based on realities. But the the bottom line here is it seems that they just don't want the Iranian people to exist. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a you know pretty. I, I'm surprised that it makes suggestion no food, no water. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because it to me it goes it goes beyond the level of fear and paranoia. Well, I, I just again I'm, I, I think that uh, Netanyahu is using you know this issue for cynical purposes, and he it's not that he doesn't want the Iranian people to exist, but he wants this this. Um, this tension to continue to exist because it's good for his political purposes. Um, with re- regards to research and development, as you mentioned, try, you know, saying that Iran should give up all research and development, again, like I said before, this is a very nationalistic issue for the Iranians. And to say that you know, your nuclear scientists who have who've been raised, as kind of the, uh, raised in the public light as you know, the, 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 the um, uh, um, symbols of Iranian progress and, and being part of the modern world, uh, to, to, to expect that the Iranians are going to be able to give that up uh, is, is ridiculous. And to, to, to actually be asking for that shows that you're not really interested in resolving this issue. Uh, and, and let's talk about this. Um, regardless of the suggestions, and by the way, so that we understand, Washington going to take the suggestions or is President Obama having a good laugh right now? Yeah, you know, Washington's not going to take these suggestions. Obama's going to you know, he, he had a, a recent interview with um, Thomas Friedman. He said the usual statements that American presidents, presidents will say is that we have Israel's back, which he does. Um, but the way that uh, Netanyahu is going to try and um, push this is to go through Congress again. And there's a, a bill that's going to be debated in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee next week. It's the, the Corker bill, uh, which is intended uh, to force um, the Obama administration to uh, put the, uh, an Iran deal uh, under review uh, by Congress. So basically uh, putting people like um, Senator Ted Cruz and, and Tom Cotton in the position of being, you know, being able to, to kill this deal or to be able to judge on this deal. Um, and so that's the main challenge the Obama administration is going to face once 
we get to a deal hopefully in June uh, is that he is going there's going to be a bill perhaps um, on the floor to try and get a veto-proof majority um, to get the Obama administration to have to submit uh, any deal to congressional approval. There's really no alternative either, right? I mean, there's nobody worldwide. I mean, Israel has its recommendations, but their recommendations wouldn't have wouldn't have come up with the deal had they been sitting at the table, and they weren't. Um, and this is not just up to the United States, obviously. We're one of a group of a handful of nations, half a dozen nations internationally. Um, and, you know, does, but ne- does, does Israel's opinion of this, which we knew prior, uh, uh, matter? And, you know, Republicans being not only the party of no, from my standpoint as a liberal Democrat, uh, do the, does the – would, you know, is – most people would say that Republicans are not going to allow this deal to go through simply because they try and block everything that the president does. Um, but in this situation, is this a very different situation because even Republicans know this is, as the president has said, the best bet by far to prevent Tehran from obtaining a nuclear weapon? Well, you bring up a, a good point that this is not just an American deal with the Iranians. This is a deal with our, all of our European allies in addition to the Russians and the Chinese. And in fact, the French, the, the French have actually been much more hardline on this issue recently than the Americans. And so the fact that they have uh, sign on to this framework agreement is good proof that um, that the that at least um, the, the the side of the P5 plus one side feels that the restraints that will be placed on Iran, the inspections regime, um, the uh, the reduction in uranium enrichment um, is actually a very good deal. Um, and so, what Israel the only thing that Israel can do is to try and play a spoiler role through the Congress. Really, uh, you know, back at, during the Bush administration, there was the fear that they could launch strikes. But at this point, especially with the entire world, the, um, the major powers of the world behind an agreement, it's very unlikely that they would do such a thing. And 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 they're, if they make threats uh, in that regard, it would be much less credible than it was before. Let's take some calls. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. And we first go to Oregon, line two with Devin. Hi, Devin. Good afternoon. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Yes, Devin. Good afternoon. Oh, sorry. Hi. Um, Actually, it's Gavin. Uh, I know it's easy. Oh, I'm sorry, Devin, for uh, mispronouncing. No, that's okay. No problem. Um, Well, I just, I I wanted to call about, you know, this is a a subject that I'm a history teacher at high school, and you know, I, this is this kind of subject really interests me, and so I, you know, I, I do a lot of research on it. And um, I, uh, I heard you say earlier, uh, I, I just have to correct a possible mistake. <laughs> Usually, I agree with you like ninety percent of the time, um, but you said uh, that Israel probably has more nuclear weapons than we do, right? Well, Israel has over a hundred nuclear weapons, and Ali probably could give you the or might be able to give you the exact right. number more so than I. I, Ali, did you well, want to weigh in on that? Well, I mean, there's no uh, public, you know, um, figures on how much, uh, how many nuclear weapons Israel has. They, they keep uh, strategic right. ambiguity over, but the U.S. the U.S. has more uh, nuclear weapons than Israel. Yeah, I mean, we have. I think the lowest number I've seen is 4,300, and the highest 8,000. So, um, you know, I just have to, <laughs> I just have to say that because I'm just like, no, oh. you're, you're absolutely right. I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have said that. It was more tongue in cheek. My, my point was when you look, Israel is right. the st- size of the state of Virginia. What I should have said right. is per capita, because per capita, I would be accurate. 
Um, because oh, Israel is Israel, Israel, Israel is the st- size of Virginia, yet they have more than 100 nuclear weapons. My point being, right. if Iran were to build one and launch it at them, you know, you know, if I if if I have a spoon and you have an arsenal of AK-47s, you win. I mean, there's just yeah, a reality. I in totally that. agree with you. I totally agree with you. If, if they launch, all it would take is one nuke, the size of nukes we have now, and Israel would be gone. And, and, you know, I, I've, I've, I argue with my friend about this all the time, and we're both, like, almost on the same page here, being, but he's like, why don't you allow Iran, why, why can't we allow Iran a nuclear weapon? Like, uh, what right do we have to say that you can't have when you're a sovereign country? Sovereign country? And, you know, he, he's kind of swayed me towards his side, but then I realized, uh, I think I heard another point the other day, that the leadership in Iran is so, so uh, bright-winged, they're so fanatical, in their religious fundamentalism that, you know, I mean, we we all know that certainly if you get that extreme, people tend to not care whether they commit suicide. If you get the wrong leader, just doesn't care and wants to nuke Israel, you know, and basically I just don't trust their their leadership and their, their extremism. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, for the record, weapon. the United States does have approximately 4,800 nuclear warheads that include tactical, strategic, and non-deployed weapons. There are additional right. warheads that are retired and await uh, dismantlement, um, you know, in right. the in the United States. But, you know, I was I was talking about size, and I was trying to – I was being a bit facetious when I said it, but I, but I apologize, okay. I, you know, for, for not for point. not letting I, people know that. No, I get your point now. It makes total sense now. So, yeah, I just wanted to – Point that out, like you know, there there is a difference between uh, I mean, Iran having a nuclear weapon and and other. I mean, then you have North Korea; they're crazy too, <laughs> you know. But a lot um, of people would say uh, so, North Korea is the bigger threat. Okay, uh, uh, Davin, thank you uh, for your call and for the pronunciation of your name, and I hope you'll call us again, Ali. I want you right, to speak. I, I want you to speak to that, not only to North Korea, but first, let's speak to because a lot of people do have, no matter how many times it can be explained, and from you explaining it differently, perhaps. You know, is it the world's responsibility to point their finger at a sovereign nation and say you can't have this when Israel has over 100, Pakistan has them, India has them? Hell, and the six nations sitting at the table do. I mean, even though George W. Bush had stated that Iran was one of the axes of evil, how evil, uh, and quickly, sorry, how evil is Iran uh, to the rest of the world, or is Iran only a threat to Israel, which I think we both agree they really aren't? Well, it's definitely a tough sell to try and tell a nation that they shouldn't have nuclear weapons when you have thousands of nuclear weapons and they, like Israel, has uh, nuclear weapons that it's developed clandestinely. However, um, Iran, as a signatory to the Non-Proliferation Treaty, has agreed uh, to not develop nuclear weapons. And so they're legally bound, at least for that treaty, to not um, develop nuclear weapons. Now, uh, one thing I'd like to talk about is the issue that the the caller brought up, which has been a big part of the debate over the Iranian nuclear program for the past decade or so is whether Iran is a rational state versus an irrational state. Is the Iranian government suicidal? And so if Iran were to get a nuclear weapon, they'd would they just go ahead and nuke Israel knowing that the United States and other countries would, would attack them back? Um, now, one thing, you know, if you think that the, the Iranians are going to do that for religious purposes, first of all, if you were to nuke Israel, you'd also be killing many Muslim Palestinians, and you would be uh, attacking uh, Jerusalem, which is uh, this, uh, the site of many uh, holy sites for Islam as well. Uh, so just from a theological standpoint, that wouldn't be good. Secondly, if they really were um, suicidal, why haven't they attacked Israel to begin with? They can attack Israel now with missiles, 
um, they could uh, tell Hezbollah to try and get Hezbollah to invade rather than, you know, um, shooting these uh, pinprick attacks to provoke Israel to attack them so that they could bring back, you know, the Messiah and cause this religious uh, war in the Middle East that people think that Iran wants. And so if they really were suicidal, they could have already committed suicide without having a nuclear weapon.